welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Marty Grisanti. Marty Grisanti is the co-owner of Upstate Home Buyers, one of the largest home buyers in Rochester, New York. They have built one of Western New York State's fastest growing portfolios consisting of single family homes, multifamily properties, and they're also under contract with three mobile home parks currently. Marty is also the founder of the Upstate New York Real Estate Investors Facebook Club. Dude, what's going on? I'm pumped to have you on, bro. I've got two dudes back to back, Jeff Cook, Marty Grisanti, guys from the Flower City, Rochester, New York, man. I'm pumped to have you on. What's going on, bro? Jesse, my man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I'll tell you, if I'm even, if I can get to like 10% of Mr. Cook, of Jeff Cook, I'll be, uh, I'll be very happy. That guy is an absolute stud. So it's, uh, it's, it's nice to be in that within the same speaking class as him. That's great. Dude, for sure. And uh, I mean, such a down to earth dude. And he was telling me at the end there, like he started in 1997 when he was 28 or whatever, he bought his own house. So he has like so much respect for like young dudes, you know, who started when they were young and hustling dude. And that's kind of like where you got your start. But for people maybe who don't know who you are, who aren't from upstate New York, dude, I mean, if you take a couple minutes and kind of just tell your story and introduce yourself for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of have a a cool, in my opinion, a cool start. I, I started in real estate because I was in sales and I didn't really know what to do with some of the commission that we were making. You know, we, we were doing very, my, my partner and I, we were doing very well. And we were selling at a company called CGI Communications. We were just young bucks and uh, we were, we were making sales. So we, we're like, hey, you know, we don't really know what to do with some of this cash. We're blowing it at the bars constantly. And we're like, you know, hey, we, we probably should start wising up here. And uh, I, I, I'm really into Reddit. I like Reddit a lot. And uh, I was following kind of financial advice through Reddit and figuring out, all right, once you, you know, get a 401k, max that out, what's next? All right, an IRA. All right, what's next? You know, emergency fund. Okay, what's next? All those what's next kind of led to real estate. That was like the next thing that you can diversify in. And so we, I actually had an unfair advantage. My brother-in-law, Scott, who's a mentor of mine as well, he owns a property management company. And he was talking about bigger pockets, which I had no clue at the time what that was. And he said, you should buy a single family house, buy a rental property. And it was just like, sure, let's just do it, whatever. And there was a uh, tax foreclosure auction, or it wasn't even an auction, it was just a tax foreclosure property. We bought it and the rest was history. You know, that's how it all started. 
<laughs> Dude, that's crazy. So obviously got your start in sales. You guys are blowing the money in downtown Rochester. Probably. <laughs> There's probably yeah. stuffing your faces with garbage plates at like oh. five o'clock in the morning. Dude, <laughs> That's so funny. And then it was oh, like, wow. you know, what can we do with this money, dude? So I'm, I'm curious, how did you meet your partner and how did the whole um, upstate New York house buying, how, like how, what was the birth, I guess, to that? I'm curious. Yeah. So met my partner through actually wrestling. So our company, like the holding company is called Suplex Properties. Dude, I and, love that. Cool. And uh, <laughs> it's because we're both wrestling heads. And I met him through wrestling. His name is Matt McGuckin. He's a champion. And uh, basically, we we were, like I said, we were both in sales. We were just kind of figuring out life. <laughs> we were both like 22, 23 we both were risk takers, you know, we being in sales, you're kind of already a risk taker because you're taking a job making like 20 grand and then you, you're doing well. So you, it's all commission based. So it's just, you eat what you kill. And, you know, we were, we were killers. So, I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. We, we did what we did really well. It's helped us so much in real estate. It's insane. It's, it's really just an absolute, like we, we believe that, and this is again a, a chest bump to me, but no one's like us on the phones. We're just we're <laughs> unbelievable. It's just what we do. I mean, I can't be, I can't be cool about it. Like we are just ninjas on the phone, and that's just what we did. We learned that way. We eight years of over the phone sales. That's all we did was over the phone sales. I mean, there was some face to face stuff, but I did you know I did like five million dollars worth of sales in eight years through over the phone sales. That was just what we did. So. Anyway, it uh, that's how it started. We were just we were making sales. We were we, we we had money. We didn't know what to do with, and we bought some affordable housing in Rochester, which is good and bad. <laughs> dude, this is so like back in your sales job, dude. I mean, I assume you're cold calling people. Is yeah. is that correct? So you're cold calling businesses. And, and... Businesses. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Cold, cold calling, calling businesses. businesses. So it's a little bit better, right? We're not selling like health insurance to people, right? Or life yeah. insurance which is a, probably a nightmare, but we were selling search engine optimization to businesses. And that's kind of at a time where people were really starting to go, you know, when you're 50, 60, yeah, I do need to do, you know, I need, I need something for online presence. You know, the yellow pages isn't working. So we met it at the right time. Like we were definitely in the right industry at the right time. Right now it's probably super saturated. At that time we were like the new kids on the block. It was a hot new thing. So we were coming in and just, smashing but it uh it's certainly you know you get at some point any job after eight years you go what's next and and, and that's how we kind of started going full-time into real estate yeah dude that's so cool i mean those skills you built in those early sales job dude and I, nothing can and we're gonna like get into cold calling like i've got a bunch of questions on the ins and outs of, of direct to seller and cold calling dude because i love doing that too with mobile home parks and i know you guys have parks too so like i'm pumped to pick your brain dude like looking at upstate New York um, home buyers and stuff like that, like what's the business model? I'm, I'm curious. I mean, obviously, I, I assume you guys are buying distressed properties. Are you guys flipping them? Are you guys holding them? Like what, what's the overall business model? What do you guys like to do? I'm curious. We have like three divisions of the company that okay. are constantly aggressive with, right? So we have our portfolio that we hold. So... We we certain we're you know we're we're our, we're our own property managers so we manage our own you know sixty units and then we have our 
flip division. So we have four people that we have uh, two employees and then two 1099 contractors that basically work with us full time. I mean, they should be probably employees. Um, and, and then we have a wholesale division and that kind of runs everything. Right. And that, that's kind of like the, that brings everything in and then we can kind of pick and choose what we want to do. Like, Hey, we're going to flip this. We're going to keep this. And then we're going to wholesale this. So it all starts there. It starts with, with that. You know, we really have like a wholesale mindset with everything. You know, when, when we are about to rent something, like if we're going to burr something, we're still going to get it at a wholesale price. And, and that leads to, you know, great, great refis, you know, same with our flips and, and same when we wholesale. So for our other investor partners that we work with, they're getting good deals. So yeah, it all starts with the marketing for us, but that, that's what it looks like every single day is those three things are what we constantly are, are, are looking to grow. Dude, this is cool. So obviously you and your partner just put your heads together, got into real estate. Hey, we're going to work on the acquisition piece and get the deals in the pipeline. And then from there, do we want to flip it? Can we make a quick buck in whatever, a couple months? Do we want to wholesale it? Do we want to burr, hold, and refi? Dude, this is this is awesome, dude. You guys just, did you, I'm curious, any, I mean, besides your brother-in-law, any like you or your partner, any background in real estate besides like some bigger pockets, like podcasts and, and shit like that besides your brother-in-law? No, no, just constant learning, right? Just constant, you know, driving to appointments because we would travel and you'd put on bigger pockets and you'd hear the stories. And, you know, we, again, it it really was just, we were phone salesmen. So there was a point where, and, and one of the reasons why I left is because you only had so many leads. Like you could only work so many territories. I would actually, we would like, some of the salespeople would kind of hate each other, you know, in a, in a loving way because you're like, hey, that's my lead. That's my lead. No, that's my lead. I was like, F this. I want the country. And that's the way I look at it now. It's like this, everything is a lead for us. Like any, and, it, and I don't owe it to anybody to stop working it for any, you know, for any reason. It's my shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So like, I, you, and, that, and the same for my partner. Like he knows, like him and I were like, yeah, dude, like we're going to, do whatever we got, we got to do. And it's beautiful. We don't have to, we can step on toes, you know, we can step on toes and uh, you know, we do it in a nice way, but we're, we're not, we're not like, we're not like, we're not going to not do our thing. And uh, that's been great. But <laughs> yeah. dude, I'm, I'm just picturing you in like the office, dude, like somebody getting in your shit, being like, that's my lead and be like, dude, go screw uh, yourself, dude. That's yeah. gotta be so frustrating being in a job. That's got like a cap. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. You know what exactly. I'm there was a lead cap, you know, there was a lead cap, and, and there is a cap on, you know, you, you're not going to be the owner. You're not. And if you're in and by and like, and at the time we were just like, God, what are we doing? Like we're, and nothing wrong with being an employee and especially in sales, like you're already kind of working for yourself. You're already in what I believed was like your own office, like your own franchise kind of working as a salesperson, you own that territory. You can work that like a business owner. So you really are learning the basics of being a business owner. You're learning like, Hey, you got to get the money in. It's not the gross of the sale. It's how much is actually in the company's coffers that matters, right? So we were constant, and we're still like that. Like we're nuts. We 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 need a contract basically a day, right? So we're still like with that sales mindset of like, hey, I need to make a sale today. It's hey, I need to get a 
property or contract to either know that we're flipping it or know that we're going to wholesale it or or that we're going to bring this down and then we're going to keep it in our portfolio and we're going to refi because we need that cash too. Like we're just we're just a little crazy in that point, but we like that. We like to the the day-to-day of like, hey, that's an actionable thing. Boom, we got it, we kill it, and let's eat it. Dude, I love that, dude. Dude, you guys play fast. You guys play loose, dude. Contract a day. Phone ninjas, man. I love this. Like, I'm, I'm keeps curious. Keeps the W-2 away. <laughs> a contract a day keeps the W-2 away. And that's that's our motto. It really does. If you if you, you just really got to, you got to really work at it. Dude, I, I love this, dude. I'm, I'm curious when looking at like the wholesaling piece and getting the deals in the pipeline and stuff like that. Obviously, you guys are going after distressed properties. Like, What's the criteria? What's the acquisition process? I mean, uh, we've already talked cold calling and stuff like that. I was on your guys' website yesterday. You guys have a lot of like, hey, if you want to you know, get a quick offer for cash, you know, submit your information here. I guess, you know, how are you finding and acquiring these deals and, and what's that process like? Yeah, we're fanatical with our marketing and, and bringing in bound leads are great, right? Those are and those are costly, right? So those AdWords are very expensive. The website's not crazy, but AdWords is expensive, and uh, we have about three cold callers that work for us that we've trained, and they are excellent cold callers for us, VAs, and we also cold call ourselves. Not as much as where we used to, but still we like to get we like to get on the phones and just keep the keep the knife sharp. And uh, at the same time, we're you know we're doing a number of campaigns through texting, uh, direct mail. We we really try to do a little bit of everything, but you know we've we've kind of gotten to a point where. We needed to make sure we know exactly the ROI on each lead. And we're starting started to get better at that. Again, we're salespeople first. So we're just like, hey, let's just kill it and we'll figure it out later. Well, we, we need to be better at business owners is kind of is one of our things for this year was, hey, let's really know the numbers. You know, let's really, let's really do this the right way. So we've gotten some internal systems that have helped us kind of figure out exactly when we get a lead in and, and get a deal how much that cost us. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like, and and I do the same thing. It sounds like really you guys are casting a wide net. It's right. like, how can we get as many leads as possible in the pipeline? And then we'll kill them off from there. This right. deal dies, this deal dies. These three get moved into the whole, or into the burr. These two get moved into the flip. Um, uh, you know, I love that mentality, just casting that almost like a shotgun blast. How many targets can we hit with one bullet? And it's definitely fine. And that's definitely fine. In the beginning, you got to make deals. You just got to make it work. But at some point, you know, it is true. I, I, I really think that it, you need to tighten it up. And, you know, we're at a point where we need to tighten it up, you know, especially if we want to grow this thing and scale it. You're, you're just we, right now, we're just a little, we were, uh, you know, maybe a little fat and we got to try to trim it up and, and get a little bit. We got to get better. And we're, we're working on it. We're constantly trying to work on it. And, and dial it in. So that's something that we're, we're still very cognizant of that we got to get better at. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was curious to like kind of a, a small follow-up question. Like obviously these properties are distressed. Um, I'm, I'm curious, the majority of owners that you come across, I mean, are they sometimes like, you know, children who inherited these properties from their parents and passed away? Like what's kind of like the backstory, I guess, to most of the properties, maybe they're just neglected properties and bankruptcy and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, what are like I guess the majority of the backstories to some of these properties? 
Yeah, the majority of the backstories are that we, you know, for us, because again, it's going to depend on that lead type that you're working, but we find high equity absentee is really a, a solid source for us because, you know, you get a lot of tired landlords, especially in New York. They're tired, man. New York is a, it will tire you out with laws and just everything else and attitudes and this and that towards landlords, right? Kind of, kind of like the, the brand of a landlord is not great right now. So I, I think that's, that's been a benefit for us because we're basically, we're in the long haul here, right? We're not going anywhere. So, and a lot of people don't look at New York state especially outside investors. So everyone's looking away from New York state. We're doubling down on New York state. And that I think is given us a lot of opportunity because they're just not getting as many calls as you probably would in Florida. Right. So yeah, high equity absentee owner is, is our bread and butter, you know, tired landlord. That's, that's who we're, that's who we're looking for. Dude. I mean, we, we own uh eight college houses in Albany, dude. And we're in the same fight that so many of these landlords are in. And, and dude, I mean, Jeff Cook brought up the same point. He's like, dude, there's so much less competition here than down in the Southeast. And he's like, that's how I get some of these deals at, you know, double digit cap rates, dude, and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, if you can, you know, create systems that, you know, I guess, mitigate that New York state, you know, tenant law friendliness and stuff, there's, there's opportunities to make a ton of money. Um, you know, hunting where not as many people hunt and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm curious too, dude, when it comes to like the burr versus the flip method, I mean, what, I guess, what property in, in your guys' portfolios, what properties kind of meet the burr method? What kind of meet the flip method? What's kind of the thought process behind that? We want to hold this one or this one's a quick sell. I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah. Well, the truth is we, we bought a, a lot of properties before we flipped anything. Right. So we built uh, portfolio about like 20 before we made a, before we flipped or even did a wholesale. So we kind of came at it a different way than a lot of people, because I think a lot of people start by wholesaling and then they maybe flip a property and then they start buying rentals or, or whatever the, the case may be. But we came in it like by buying rentals first and then we flipped and then we started wholesaling. Um, I know that wasn't your question. Your question was going into, you know, what, what why certain properties do we hold? There's no rhyme or reason. It's it's really just uh, do we do we have a good feeling about it? You know, is it going to make money? Do we like the area? At the same time, do we need money in the bank? Right? Do we need cash in our pocket right now? Do we need to keep the guys busy? You know, it, there really isn't. I wish there was. There isn't. There's like, hey, we need like three flips in the pipeline to keep the guys busy. Do we have one? All right, no. All right, we need a flip. And okay, we got the guy's busy. This property just came on our desk. All right, let's take it down and we'll keep it. Okay. And, and that's really the truth. If people, people may say they have like this great scheme and story. I don't, we, we just kind of, we're whimsical when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, and wholesale is, is pretty, pretty easy for us. Cause we're not really buying any single family houses really anymore in, in the area, like in the city of Rochester, we're, we're kind of staying away from that. We're looking for more multifamily now at this point, or if we're going to hold anything like you mentioned earlier, the mobile home parks, that's kind of something that we're more interested in now. Will we? Yeah, we will still take down uh, property if it makes like super, super sense. And it's not something that will be flipped. So again, it's it's just kind of how we feel that week or month. 
<laughs> dude, it's just the flow that fits the business model that yeah. fucking makes the wheels turn, dude. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the exactly. right property at the right time. Uh, yeah. I, I was curious too, like on your guys' website, and I love how you guys leverage like, hey, you know, quick offer, quick close deals and stuff like that. When you're in a situation where it might be like a seven or 10 day closing with cash that you guys are in, I'm curious, like how can you execute proper due diligence on like some of these properties? And have you ever ran into issues where maybe you've missed like a pretty massive issue in a property? It's like, holy shit, this is like a $250,000, like this water pipe is ruptured beneath the sidewalk, dude. I'm curious, you guys have like, what's what's the scheme like behind facilitating a quick close with like such a short due diligence period? Do you, do you have any crazy stories or anything like that? Truth is in New York State, you're not going to close a cash deal even in 60 days. I mean, really, it takes 60 days to close a cash deal. I, I mean, I really, I've had no deal go quicker than maybe 30 days in New York State. So you don't really have that big of an issue. But uh, we always, there's something that we're going like, oh man, we probably didn't look at that very well. We actually just closed on a property last week that the floor is caving in. And it's something that we're going to flip. And, you know, if we don't flip it, we'll hold it as a short-term rental. I mean, we, the thing with us is that we're in a mindset that it's like, hey, if we can't flip it, we'll hold it because it's still going to refi. Every property we buy is so, you know, 40 to 50 cents on the dollar that it's going to refi. And we'll, we'll always either make money or, or at the very, very worst break even. And that's just the truth. And so we're, we're very much coming at it as again, we're buying it super, super right. That any problem that arises, I mean, for the most part, we're going to figure out. Yeah, no, I'm sure you guys get pissed too. Like most people are probably like, Oh, thank God. You know, we broke even on this one. I'm just picturing you and your partner, dude, you guys are fucking pissed. You guys are pissed. When, <laughs> you guys are pissed when fucking you guys break even, dude. Um, I had one more question before you before I want to like get into all this mobile home park stuff and how you've kind of made the climb now, like the commercial real estate. Um, I, I was curious too, like on the financing piece and and also like submitting offers. Like obviously with that with that um, casting a wide net and getting some of these properties for 40, 50 cents on the dollar. Like, are you guys submitting like five offers and closing one or what's that exact kind of ratio look like? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, that's a good question. So we do offer maybe three offers every time. So okay. I'll make an offer that's like a cash offer. I'll make an offer that's seller financed offer. Uh, usually one that might be like five, seven years and one that's like 30 years. And we've gotten, that's kind of how we, I should say, I should have said that. Yeah, that's kind of how we get our properties now. Like if we're going to take down a deal and hold as a single family, it's going to be because we got ridiculous seller finance. Like the one, we just did one last week. Uh, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, where the guy's going to hold paper for 30 years, uh, 30 year am- amortization. And he just, because he doesn't need the money, he wants it for his kids, right? So he wants just to be the bank on it. It's four and a half percent interest rate. And it was just, um, you know, that, that monthly payment. So we're out of it. We're just, we're out of it a month payment and, you know, his closing costs. So it might be like $3,000 total on a, you know, a $99,000 house. So we're buying this property for, you know, 99,000, right? At the end. Um, but it might be like, it's going to be like, it was going to be like $3,000, $3,500 out of our pocket to, to kind of 
control something like that. So those are ones that we'll definitely do, right? That's what we'll definitely do. Um, but yeah, we like to make three offers every time. I like to, or if it's just like, if they, if I know they need the cash, I'm probably not even going to do that, right? I'm just going to go with the cash offer. But yeah, it's it's a cash offer. You know, we send out the contract and they're ready to go. You know, we're we're sending out a contract. I'm expecting them to sign it. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna kind of mess around with it. I, I really do. If we're gonna get that far, I'm expecting that we're gonna lock it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love the whole idea. I mean, I think creative financing is one of the best fits for any type of distressed property or something like that. So the fact that you guys are leveraging that is is so crucial. I love the idea of like three offers too. We submit multiple offers, uh, whatever, a cash offer that might be a little bit lower and then a higher offer with seller financing then a lower down payment, lower interest rates, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm I'm curious. I mean, I love the model with like the single family homes, the the flipping and the bird, dude. We're, we're in the timeline here was kind of that branching off to like, hey, you know, let's start taking down bigger deals with commercial real estate and mobile home parks and stuff like that. Where'd that like kind of initial spark come from? And, and uh, I'm curious, like, where was that mindset shift that you guys want to start doing bigger deals? Well, I was actually a part of a, I'm a limited partner on a 50 unit apartment, apartment building in Syracuse. Right. So, and that started because of, it was probably like five years ago. I like really started going heavy into like apartment syndication, Michael Blanc and Joe Fairless and all those guys. Right. So, and I went to a couple of the Michael Blanc meetups and I was just like, man, I how do I, you know, how do I do this? How do I get, you know, bigger deals, bigger deals. But I really love the chase of a deal. I really love the chase of contra- getting a contract. So I didn't want to stop flipping and, and wholesaling. It was just something I like, enjoyed it. And, you know, with apartments and anything, mobile home parks, you still, a lot of the times it can be very much a broker relationship, right? Just building those relationships. And I, I'm not opposed to building relationships, but I like getting out there and, and taking action and, and you know, talking to the owners of the properties themselves. And I found that mobile home parks, you have more of a mom and pop aspect to it where I can call them and talk to them personally and not have like six partners on an LLC that owns the apartment that has the property manager. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of what brought our attention to more mobile home parks. And at the same time, I had one of my partners on these deals kind of reach out to me and go, Hey, you know, I know you don't love the numbers. I don't, I don't love doing the numbers in the anal- in the analysis. That's not my thing, you know, and I don't even, I don't really love property management either. It's, it's really the, the bane of my existence is, is managing our properties. It's, it's not good. And he goes, I'll take care of that. My brother's a lawyer. So he'll take care of that spot. We just need somebody to help us with the marketing and sales. So that's where we fit in perfectly, Matt and I, with the, our two other partners uh, on this mobile home park uh, adventure. And uh, that's been great. So we are just focused on bringing deals in. And that's something we can do every day. And they're just focused on making sure that what we bring in makes sense. They give us, you know, here's where we got to be. And uh, I can do that. I, I can I can be told what to do. And that's that's where I like to be. 
Dude, yeah, I mean, it's just playing to what your strengths are versus their strengths and finding that right piece to the puzzle that's going to help the team get the football kind of across the end zone and, and be the right fit for the team, dude. So, no, I, I love hearing that, and and it's so crucial that whatever you guys found the right fit here. Um, I, I, well, again, like I'm picturing you and your partner, dude, just hungry fucking sharks every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to get on the phone. You got to get after it. And, you know, as you know, I'm a big believer in cold calling because we learned a ton about the business through cold calling. And I still don't know a lot, right? But, you know, you can kind of figure it out and it, it's not rocket science. It's it's mobile home parks, you know, and you just, you talk to people, you be a person to a person, they'll tell you everything and they'll let you know all the ins and outs of the business. You know, you talk to this you know, the guy we got in our contract, he built it himself in the seventies and he, his son doesn't want it. And he's just like, Hey, it's time for me to retire. And you told me the whole life story of the park. And you start to figure it out. You start to understand how these things work. And, and that's the beauty of cold calling is, is the stories. And then I can take that story and use it for my next call. When I try to talk, you know, when I, when I talk to another seller, so it's, there's really no, there's no reason not to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, we're all three of these parts that you guys are partnered on. I assume they're all direct to seller, off market deals. Okay, off market direct to seller. Yep, dude, that's perfect. I mean, we live in, dude, we live in a world today where it's like it's so fucking competitive. It's insane, and people, I think people who like limit themselves, and I'm curious what you think, like dudes who limit themselves to just going through brokers and like going through LoopNet or, or whatever, Zillow, whatever, dude, they're missing out on so many opportunities um, to capitalize and make more cash, dude. I mean, I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on strictly just hunting off market? Um, not even looking at on market deals. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost like I, I'm, I get super jacked up on that topic because you know, Michael Blanc says there's the law of the first deal, right? Law of getting that first deal. I believe there's the law of the first off-market deal because of just how insane it is, uh, how much better. It's just you, right? It's you and that seller. You get to tell them the offer, you know what I mean? And if they're talking to you and they're saying, yeah, I'd be interested in offer, they're, they're interested in selling potentially, right? So... It's not them, you know, going to a broker and the broker putting it up there for everybody to see and, you know, saying, oh, you need to get this much. And it, no, it's me and them having a conversation. And it's, it's just, it's night and day. I get to dictate everything. It's based on me. I got the offer, right? You know, I'm the one, I'm the guy. <laughs> so it, it's absolutely insane. And I would never go, I mean, really until we have like a fund where we can, you know, where it's like, Hey, it doesn't matter. We, if the numbers work, uh, that's great. And we can offer more because we're a hedge fund. Great. But at, at this time we're not. And I like it this way. And I'll probably always go this way, honestly. Yeah. I, I think also like there's, and you've already touched on it a little bit, like there's so much of that, like problem solving, building that relationship. Like the seller has a problem, whether it's they want to, you know, retire in Florida and get out of this property or, or whatever it is, dude. And like, you're coming in as like, Hey man, I, I've got the solution for you. You know, let me help you out, dude. Like you're making him the hero of the story and you're just the guide, bro. Guiding him to the finish line and and getting the, you know, getting the deal and stuff like that. I'm, I'm curious, dude, like when looking back on like your cold calling career and stuff like that, 
people like, you know, I, I, I love cold calling and how we got so many of these deals was through cold calling and stuff like that. I think dudes get so down on themselves when they're cold calling dude and they're getting answering machines or they're fucking getting told to go, you know, piss off and stop calling me and like, whatever, dude. I mean, what are your thoughts? Like looking back on your whole career, dude, on like kind of the ins and outs and like, you know, pitfalls of cold calling, dude, what advice do you have for people out there? who might want to start hunting off market. I'm curious. You got to keep going because that's how you get better is just through the repetition of the call of the, you know, talking to a seller and don't even look at it as I didn't get a deal or no, just know this, the score will take care of itself, put in the time and the benefits, like just through, like I said, through the learning is worth it. Right. So just the learning of the business, learning about what it is to be, you know, that apartment owner or that mobile home park owner, you know, learning those things, those little tiny things that you'll learn by speaking to them and hearing the, what are the pain that they have? So I can use that pain and, and understand it so that I can apply it to the next one. And oh, by the way, you might get someone who goes, yeah, I want to sell. Right. So there's so many, so many benefits. And, and here's the what makes me sick is if somebody is just twiddling their thumbs, not sure what to do. And like, this is what they're supposed to do. Like if they're supposed to try to figure it out and try to, Hey, I really want to do this. And you don't want to cold call, then you don't really want to do this. In my opinion, like if you really want it, you'll get on the phone and make $10 a day. Like you'll make at least $10 a day. It's 10 freaking dollars. So like some people are like, no, nah, I just, I won't do it. I can't do it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, then it won't, it will take longer than like, I want it now. That's my thing. I want this now. So I'm going to do what I know is the quickest way to get to that person. And that's a phone call. So that's my, that's just my philosophy that might be wrong, but I know that if this is what I want and I want it now, then I'm going to get on the phone. And I'm going to make that dial. Dude. I mean, yeah, I mean, closing the gap as fast as you can between you and that seller. Like people are like, Oh yeah. Like Jesse, I write all these letters to these people. They don't respond. And it's like, dude, because when you write a letter to someone, they have to go out of their way to pick up the phone to call you where you're calling them, dude, you're calling them at home, whatever. Well, you know, after they've had dinner or whatever, dude, and you're physically getting on the phone with them live in person, dude. And it's like, it, there's no faster way. I think in acquisitions to cut the the gap or the width between you and the seller and cold calling. I don't think people have enough, a big enough grasp on that. I don't know what you think. Well, to go to your point, I, I've gotten so many people. I've used so many people's letters as my own, right? So when I call and they go, hey, yeah, I got your letter. I'm, I may have sent a letter. I don't know, but I'll, I'll take, I'll take credit for that letter. Yeah. That was, that, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 How you doing? I want to talk to you. I wanted to put a, Voice to a name. How are you? Marty Grusani, GMH Property Group, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, because how many times has that happened where <laughs> I don't know if that's happened to you before, but they're like, yeah, we got your letter and maybe you sent a letter, maybe you didn't. I don't know. But you're like, sure. Yeah. All right. Like, I don't know. Like, that's not me. I don't think. But, you know, so, so those letters, maybe it's the right timing. I'm going to take credit for that. Okay, I'm going to take credit for that because we guess we do send out letters, but I don't know if that's exactly my letter. And if they're like, yeah, I saw it with like the, the pink on it. I'm like, sure, that's me. How you doing? So I'm taking credit for that shit. I don't care. Dude, I, that's funny. I get that a lot. I also like, I'll make a couple hundred dials, dude. And somebody will call me back. It'll be like 
30 fucking people ago and I'll, it'll be like, Hey, it's Jane Doe. And it'll be like, Hey, just tell me again, where's your property? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that, that can be a tough one. That can be a tough one on the callback and you're not really sure. Uh, what do I say? I'm like, Oh, I'm not in front of my computer right now. I'll totally be in front of my computer. Dude. Yeah. I love that, dude. I get that. I hit hit with that. It's just being able to think quick on your feet. But the number one thing I, I hear, like people like will get down on themselves. If someone's like, I don't know, you know, tell don't them to down. go screw themselves. Tell them to go yeah. at themselves. Dude. No, That's dude. a part of it. That's such a part of it. That's such a good thing. Cause you're on to the next person. I mean, it's, it's really keep going, just keep going, press on, press on. You, you, you got to just make it work, keep going and, and take the punches, you know, and, and that's going to make you stronger mentally. Cause again, you're doing the things that nobody wants to do. You know, those, those times where you do that tough thing, that tough thing is the enjoyment. Like that is the fun, like the tough thing. I really believe that. I know there's all that talk about, you know, the obstacles, the way I really believe it. I really believe like that's the reward is doing the hard work because the other stuff, when it comes, you're like, ah, like when the, when the guy goes, yeah, I want to sell you. are like, okay, this one's easy. I didn't deserve it. I got to get, go back into the punches, go back into the fire. And, and, and I believe that I really believe that's like the fun part, you know, and, and getting that because, because then when you get that person goes, yeah, I, I want to sell, I want to work with you. You deserve it. You know, you earned that one because you put in all the times of the punches to the face. Dude, it makes it feel so much better. And I tell anybody, like, after I get off the phone with someone, whatever, tells me go F myself or something like that. It's like, dude, the first thing I do is dial the next number because that's yeah. what it's about, bro. It's like, yeah. who gives a shit what fucking John Smith thinks? Doesn't matter. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the, you know, there's dudes like that who are going to get off the phone and go watch Netflix for eight hours. And then there are the Jesse Fuchs, Marty Grisantes who are dialing the next number to get the next deal, dude. So that's what, yeah. that's what gets me fired up. But uh, last thing I wanted to hit you with, dude, before we wrap up, and I've got some like non-real estate things I want to get your thoughts on, but like you go live on Facebook a lot and I always see you running, dude, and, and getting after like from a physical fitness point of view, like what's some other daily routines? I don't know if you're a big mindset, dude. Obviously you're a big physical fitness, dude. I mean, your background's in wrestling. And like I said, I see you going live all the time. Like any daily routine mindset feed stuff that you do. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in momentum in the morning. You know, it's, it's critical for me. And my routine is I wake up and I follow the savers, that morning miracle routine. And for those who don't know, that's savers, S is silence. So I meditate for 10 minutes. The A, affirmations, 10 minutes of affirmations. V is the visualization that I do. Uh, and again, all this is on YouTube. It's all very simple. Uh, the E, the exercise. So I'll get, a, I'll get a lift in or a Peloton in or a run in. The R for reading. So I, I need to read a chapter of a personal development book. And uh, the S is writing. So I write in a journal, I journal. I, you know, I really just tell myself, hey, I'm destined to be great. I got massive momentum. And I write down a couple things, a couple things I'm grateful for, and I'm ready to hit it. And that is more than a lot of people do in a week. So that right there is just a great starter for the day because I, I really know when you win the day, win the morning, you win the day. And I really believe that. And I, and it's just creating momentum is one of the things I think high 
high performers can do. They can create their own, their own momentum and they can, you know, and when they get it, you got to double down on it. So when you get that momentum, you don't want to let off the gas. You want to really squeeze every drip of juice out of that momentum that you get. So, you know, that's something that I really learned this year is when you get the momentum, you know, foot on the floor, really crush it because you, you really want to make sure at some point, you know, that steam does get out. So you want to, you really want to work it to the final, uh, to the final bell. But yeah, no, that's my morning routine. My routine is I, I do the savers morning miracle changed my life. Dude, that's awesome. My background's in the military, dude. I tell everybody like when I don't wake up early and sweat in the morning, like, dude, I can, I feel lethargic the rest of the day. Like I'm not, I'm not as productive, dude. If I'm not, whatever, I don't crush some water in the morning, like get hydrated, get a good breakfast, dude. It's like, sorry. Yes. That too, Jesse. That's number one. First thing I do is I drink water right in the morning, two glasses of water right in the morning. Uh, I think, I don't know who said to do that, but it, that's amazing. Like I used to drink coffee right in the morning. No, I got to do two to three cups of water. And then a little later I'll, I'll drink some black coffee, but that's, uh, that's right. Yeah. Water soon as I wake up. Dude. Yeah. It's whatever. I think 70% of your body's water, dude. If, like, right. your, if your brain's not hydrated, like you're not going to be able to process and problem solve and think, dude. So it's like, I, I, yeah, dude, when I don't wake up and eat right and hydrate, dude, I, I feel like shit the rest of the day. I, I'm, I'm definitely more lethargic, but as we get ready to wrap up, dude, I've got a couple of non-real estate things. I just want to hit you with, dude, to get your thoughts on it. Again, I know you're born and raised in Rochester. I've scripted it a little bit for you. And again, I've gotten Jeff, you know, Jeff Cook's thoughts on it. So I, I want to get your thoughts on it, dude. And, you know, you're a little bit closer to like the college days than when Jeff Cook was. <laughs> Jeff is yeah. telling me stories from burning down downtown Rochester in the 90s and, and grabbing the <laughs> garbage plate at, at 5 a.m., dude. But, dude, I mean, if you could break down like the perfect garbage plate ingredients, what's it made <laughs> of, dude? Where do the locals go to get it in Rochester, dude? Like, again, I'm from Albany. Like, if I went to Rochester, I'd be a tourist. You know what I mean? I'd look it up on Google and know where to go, dude. But yeah. where do the locals go to get it, dude? And, and what's the perfect composition in, in your thoughts? I'm curious. Man, that's a good question. So Dogtown is definitely the best place to get a plate, no doubt. Yeah, you got to go to Dogtown. And I'll tell you right now, for me right now, it's, it's a little crazy. I, I didn't, I didn't think this would be the, the best plate, but it is for me right now. So I'll give you the one I like right now. Okay. So the one that I like right now is, so you got to go home fries. Okay. And you got to go mac salad. But then what you do is you go grilled cheese with meat, hot sauce on top of it. And it is money <laughs> in the <laughs> so they put the grilled cheese sandwich on top of the mac salad like whole grilled cheese sandwich yeah 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 and then <laughs> meat hot sauce on top and it is bomb super good yeah <laughs> dude I'm, good. I'm i'm curious and i don't know if you know what's like the history behind it like why was that born in rochester and why is that a rochester staple no idea if you know the answer or, or what's the backstory i'm curious yeah well it started with nick tahoe's and uh the the backstory I don't know I just know that the the original plate was a it's is a Nick Tahoe's thing so if you and I think there's a there's a there's one Nick Tahoe's left he's got a, his son opened up one Stevie T's and 
Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you the origination story, but oh, man, it's just a classic. I mean, they have those in all. They have plates. They have plates everywhere now, don't they? Dude, I don't think so, dude. I've never, oh, really? I've never heard just, of it. Maybe there's just so Rochester. many plates places. There's so many plates places in Rochester. It's crazy, man. Dude, if I walked into a diner and I said, "Can I get a garbage plate?" Would people look at me weird? If what, no. like, is the proper terminology a plate? Can I get a plate or what? Yeah, you, you, I mean, you could say garbage plate, but you could say plate, and they'll get okay. it. They'll yeah, get it. okay. Yeah, you'll you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, they're, you know, to be, they're, you know, what's funny? You really can't get a bad plate anywhere. They're all pretty good. You know, they're all pretty good. I mean, it's max salad's always like the same as, you know, everyone's got the same max salad. You can't really mess up home fries. And then, you know, some meat hot sauce and, and a, two cheeseburgers. Come on. It's a great, it's always a great choice to get anytime. Yeah. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. <laughs> Dude, I think, yeah, I think Jeff told me to hit up Nick Tahoe's. He said that's the original, dude. If you that come is to Rochester, original. Yeah, yeah, he says if you come, uh, hit that spot. But to, as we close up, dude, last question, we kind of bring this back to, to momentum and, and kind of the vision here. Like, dude, I, I hit this with everyone, and this is the very last question. Like, dude, Marty Grisanti's living the perfect life, dude. If it's, you know, net right now, if it's five years, 10 years from now, whatever, dude, what does that look like for you? I'm curious. Owning a vineyard in New York State in Italy and uh, it's enjoying my time on my vineyard in my estate and, and having wine and selling wine. That's, that's what it's, that's my vision is, is getting to a point where we sell a business, we, we sell whatever it is and uh, I can, I can get into my winemaking and, and owning a vineyard and, and living that lifestyle. Cause I love wine and I, and I love that. I love that whole, uh, I love that whole, that whole world. Dude, that's cool. I love that dude. And first dude who's come on the show. So he wants to live his life out on a vineyard, which I think is, I think that's sick, dude. Like people dude, this has been awesome. I mean, great content, dude. I love your story and, and everything like that, dude, people who want to follow up with you and hear more about you or reach out to you, dude, you know, what platforms are you on? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. So we, uh, me and a couple of my partners, are uh, the real estate power players on Tuesdays at 12 o'clock. We do a live video on, uh, we have a YouTube channel and a Facebook group, real estate power players. And uh, also I have a YouTube channel, Marty Grisani. You can type that in. I do a couple of videos on mindset and sales and, you know, just getting, you know, a bulletproof mindset and sales mindset and all that good stuff. I go into that. You can find me on Instagram at MJ Grisani. And that's how you can get a hold of me anytime. Dude, I appreciate you coming on and sharing the story, dude, and, and the vision here. Again, I, I love having young dudes who are just hustling, hungry, looking for the next deal, bro. So I, I'm pumped, dude. I, this was great content. Like, There's no doubt people are going to grow from this and, and get better, dude. And that's what this is all about. So I, I can't thank you enough, dude, for taking the time to uh, come on today and share your story and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, Jesse. It's been great, man. Anytime. Dude, anytime Rochester guys are on the show, it's always a blast. I appreciate it, bro. <laughs> you got it, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate the time and I'll catch you later. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week. 
and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.